Hey everyone, it's Elliot. Before we get to the episode, just two quick things. Favors, really. First, please subscribe to the new CCO. That way you'll get notifications whenever we post a new episode. And second, this is a new page podcast. It's a new thing that we're doing, and we'd really like everybody to get to take advantage of it. So post a review, tell us what you think about it, tell others what you thought about it. Most of all, tell us if you have any constructive input. We'll always be looking to make this podcast better. Thanks so much for listening. Between election meddling, fake news, and congressional hearings, the conversation about the responsibilities of social platforms has been pushed into the spotlight. After data mining company Cambridge Analytica used the personal data of millions of Facebook users to target them with political ads, these platforms face tough questions about what they're doing to address these challenges. CCOs are in many ways at the center of finding the answers. Everybody who's been in comms understands like a huge amount of what we spend time doing is connecting dots against the organization. That never shows up on our job um, descriptions, but I think comms people are incredibly adept at playing the chess game out a few steps ahead. That's Mel Selker, head of brand, communications, and social impact at LinkedIn. Today we're talking to Mel about the lessons learned from Cambridge Analytica and how her team is helping the company stay ahead of these issues. I'm Elliot Mizrahi, and this is the new CCO. Well, representatives from Facebook, Twitter, and Google are back on Capitol Hill for a second day of testimony about Russia's interference in the 2016 election. Lawyers for the social media companies faced more tough questions. This coming from the Senate Intelligence Committee after testifying before Senate Judiciary Subcommittee yesterday. Trust is everything. I think this is the biggest lesson that we've all learned over the last couple of years. Um, and at LinkedIn, we define trust as consistency over time. And so I'd say the biggest lesson that I've learned is, again, making sure that you have these values and these decision-making rubrics that enable you to make consistent decisions and do consistent things and show up consistently over time. Because um, any break in that is a break of trust. And you, 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 I don't remember what the formulas are, but it takes a huge amount of time to build trust and not very much time to erode it. And so I would say in this day and age with with all the things you talked about, the fake news, the questions about private, this trust question is more important than it's ever been. And so I would say the biggest lesson I've learned and that I, I would share with others is just ensuring that as a comms leader, you really feel like you understand how to make the decisions and the rest of the company understands how to make the decisions that are going to be incredibly consistent and manifest what you stand for and what your values are over time and that that's going to show up in a really consistent way. Um, I think the second thing is that everything is gray. And so there is no there there are no black and white issues. There's no issue that has a clear um, yes or no answer. Or everything is a reputation issue in this day and age. And so everything that any um, anything your product team is doing, anything your sales team is doing, what your employees are doing, like everything has um, a reputation component to it. So the better that you can get ahead of that, like we talked about, and understand and help your teams play out how the things they are doing may show up as a headline, the less you'll be reacting. So I'd love, like, again, my, my focus is like, how do I spend more and more time on the front end proactively getting ahead of things so that we're not reacting. So social platforms are really at the center of this conversation now as well about privacy after the Cambridge Analytica scandal. Um, obviously, there's communications implications around that sort of issue, and LinkedIn has a lot of user data that's the lifeblood of the business. Uh, can you talk about what the communications challenges are around an instance like a Cambridge Analytica issue? Yeah, no, it's um, it's a great question. It's obviously been a um, 
an interesting kind of six months um, as we've worked through it. So the first thing I would say on a Cambridge Analytica issue, which um, most people can relate to, is that these issues are incredibly complex, right? And so um, you're constantly, as you watched Facebook, I mean, you're constantly getting new information coming in, making sense of it. Cambridge Analytica wasn't just a company. It had shell companies. And so sort of dissecting that situation and understanding is really complex. And so I think what a lot of us learned watching that happen is um, the need to, even if you don't have complete perfect information, the need to say something early and kind of and 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 recognize and talk about it. And then secondly is the requirement of a comms team to pull the right people together really quickly and be able to triage, make make decisions and put a comm strategy in place quickly, recognizing that new information is going to be continually coming in. I think that's a really um, tricky formula and something that comms professionals, I think, are getting better and better at over time. The other thing I think we all learned as a result of the Cambridge Analytica is the need to have better processes in place to anticipate issues that might come. And so um, this is definitely something my team is leading within LinkedIn, but is um, as you roll things out like an API strategy, thinking through what will that API strategy mean down the road and how could a bad actor um, use an API strategy? You know, companies have the best intention when these roll things out for the business, but I think companies are learning better and better to figure out and anticipate and make sure that they are asking the questions on how things could be used. And I think comms plays a really interesting role in this because we can write the headline and we can kind of objectively come in and be that external voice. We can ask those hard questions without appearing to step on people's toes around how things might play out. And so I would say this is something my team is doing at LinkedIn and I would encourage others, um, other comms teams to do the same, whatever their context or whatever their issues are, but that idea of the more you're ahead of it, the more you're asking those tough questions, the more you're able to really help your product teams or your business teams or your sales teams play things out, um, the better prepared you will be to deal with the issues um, as they come. So you've talked about the comms function being adept at seeing through ambiguity and making tough calls about the right thing. Is there something that you think about the comms function that sort of uniquely makes it capable of playing that conscious of the enterprise role? Well, we can always fall back on the fact that we can write the headline, right? And so um, I have a woman on my team who writes brilliant, scary headlines. um, And it's actually an incredibly helpful function to help people just understand and play things out. So I think comms people are incredibly adept at playing the chess game out a few steps ahead and being able to use that then to inform strategy and decisions in really important and thoughtful ways. Um, And so I think really recognizing that as a skill, um, I think another one is the dot connecting that comms people do that never shows up on our job um, descriptions, but everybody who's been in comms understands like a huge amount of what we spend time doing is connecting dots against the organization. We're often that last mile and we often have that broader view than most people have at the company. And so I think those, um, there's again, there's just never been a more important time to make sure that all things are moving together and that those dots are connected and that we're thinking things through. And those I think are the things that comms people have been doing for years. Um, They just haven't even higher premium associated with them, which I think is an exciting thing for comms professionals. The other thing I've heard is the role of communications in sort of integrating cross-functionally. If character and values need to matriculate across the enterprise, then you need to have those relationships across the C-suite and across the organization. Can you talk a little bit about how you and your team work across functions? 
Yeah, I would say the speed with which decisions and things have to be made now feels more faster. Every year it feels faster than it did the year before. Um, And I think because we're in such a polarized and emotionally charged environment, like decisions just carry a weight that they didn't before, whether it's just a simple reactive statement or not, they carry massive weight. And so I think the ability to pull your general counsel in quickly to check gut check something or to talk to your HR leader to make sure that some comment you're making about diversity is in line with what like, you've got to be able to have those relationships and that speed dial and that, um, that, uh, not just the relationship, but also that that common set of values and things that you can come to those decisions quickly. But so I think, again, that that the CCO probably more than any other is in the office of all of those leaders um, on an office virtually. I mean, it can be cell phone, whatever it is. But you know, you're working across the leaders on such a um, regular basis, and I think it's more important than ever to be able to pull those right people and pull them quickly and make those conversation those calls and recognize that those calls do have more weight than they ever had before. A lot of the experience on LinkedIn is interaction with content. And in many respects, social platforms are publishers as much as anything else these days. Um, And any relationship that somebody has with published content is about trust and credibility, being able to trust the veracity of that content. Um, Fake news is a challenge. What's LinkedIn's point of view on how you contend with that sort of thing on the platform. Yeah, so um, a, a lot of threads here. Ultimately, LinkedIn is a place for professional conversations. And so what we found is that our members actually draw lines. First of all, there's no anonymity on LinkedIn. So what you write on the platform is tied to your profile. And as I said earlier, that's then seen by your colleagues and your boss and your future boss and anyone you might want to hire you down the line. And there's validation, um, right? There's, so, yeah, exactly. So you can't create fake profiles the Correct. way... That's exactly right. And so um, I think that's been for us probably the the um, foundational element. Um we are very clear as a company that there is no place on the site for any inaccurate content, anything that's intentionally deceptive. Um, and we have we use a set of humans, tools, and the community to police that. Uh, so we're doing, I would say, areas that we're investing in is continuing to help the community understand how they can report things that they ha- find on the platform. Um, we also have 50 human editors. Um, so I think this has been our content strategy from the beginning was to always have humans um, curating, creating the content. And so um, we have algorithms that help them for sure, but we always have humans that are touching and ensuring that the content um, is as good as it is um, and actually creating a lot of fantastic content on the platform. That's really interesting. You know, it's easy to assume in a platform that large that it's just all algorithm driven, but you've got a team, an editorial team that's actually making a lot of those decisions. We do. And if you don't know, Dan Roth, who is our executive editor, is I think one of the most, um, probably one of those hidden secrets at LinkedIn and that he's just, he's one of the most powerful business editors um, on the planet, I would say. And and I heard today he mentioned that the Daily Rundown, um, which is a email that we send um, uh, every day that just runs down the key business news, is now the largest business news publication with 57 million people who receive it. So um, we've just continued to double down and invest and grow that. Um, right now, our investment is um, 
in both regions. So we have editors now around the world creating content for their regions and then also in different verticals. So retail, financial, so that we can really create the content that professionals need in their areas. Um, The other thing that editors do that's really interesting is go out and cultivate other voices. So I don't know that this is known, but editors will go out and on a certain topic, ask people to weigh in on that topic um, and share their point of view. And so it's a great way, again, within the community to get a bunch of different perspectives on any topic that makes us all then smarter and more educated at what we do. Social platforms are really at the center these days of this dialogue around privacy and data security, but also about what the role of a platform is in society. Um, Initially, a lot of these companies were viewed themselves more as just the technology on which user-generated content was transmitted. Uh, But now there seems to be a sea change in companies thinking about what their actual obligations are. Can you talk a little bit about how LinkedIn views that and some of the work that you're doing around that? Sure. So I think there's actually two trends. I think there's a broader trend that you're seeing not just across social platforms, but across all companies around what is um, what are the responsibilities of companies broader in society. I think this is driven by millennials, quite honestly, as they become in the workforce. And at LinkedIn, um, we our numbers say that by 2025, 75% of the workforce will be millennials. And what we know about millennials is that they care about companies that stand for things and take stands. So I think you have that factor. I think there's more and more this notion that private sector is taking on the roles that had traditionally been public sector, and so those ideas of responsibility. So I think you see that across the board as sort of just an underlying trend. And I think we're seeing brands um, have very... um, tread into this water with different experiences, um, some doing it quite well, some kind of learning that if it's not truly authentic to who you are, it, it can backfire. Um, and then there are for social platforms, a conversation, as you mentioned, around like what is our responsibility broader given um, the volume of people and the amount of time and interactions that are happening. Um, and I would say the different platforms, I think, are on very different journeys on this front. From a LinkedIn perspective, we have the advantage that our platform has always had social responsibility somewhat built in in that our platform exists to create economic opportunity and that in itself is a very social, um, a large social mission. Um, and I would argue in a lot of ways economic opportunity I think underlies almost all the issues we see in society right now. And so we have the fortune that we kind of our company and our vision and our mission were built on something that is sort of socially important. Um, with that said, I would say we even we can continue to do things to make sure that in all decisions we're making as a company, that we are mindful of the implications um, and of the things we build and what they mean in the world and make sure that we're being thoughtful. In, um, and actually, it surprised me when I joined LinkedIn. We will actually walk away from revenue at times when we believe that what an advertiser or someone is asking us to do is not in the best interest of our member, either how they want to use the data or what they want to show to the member. Um, uh, and you know, I have a case where we had an advertiser just a, a couple months ago who wanted to run a campaign, uh, and we had a conversation internally around did we believe that that campaign was in the best interest. Um, And there was a large revenue opportunity associated with it. And ultimately, um, it was the sales leader who made the call to not run the campaign um, going forward. And to me, that is just that shows that it's not a value that just is on a card or a member. But when your product leaders or your sales leaders are making the same calls that you would make 
um, as a communications leader, then you realize that you actually have the right rubric and the right um, template by which to be making these conversations. I think that the most challenging thing for a company is to figure out how to take to make sure that it's not just the leaders that are making the right calls, but that those right calls are being made at every level in the company, because we're no longer in a world where like every decision is made at the top. And so if you don't have these codified values and you aren't ensuring that every employee at a company knows how to run things through that same set of decisions, um, I think you're going to end up finding that you're reacting or tripping over things that happen further down in the organization. Your function owns brand, but also reputation. Do you distinguish between the two, or at this point are they... More it's so less. funny. I mean, before I owned brand, I felt like they were very distinct. Um, and I would say now I feel like they're so intertwined. Um, and you don't have a brand without a reputation. And everything you do on the comms and reputation side defines your brand. And so um, the two are so I, so intertwined. Every reactive statement we put out or statement we give to the media is an expression of our brand. Um, and so making sure that you're thinking about the them all as brand experiences. Every single, we define, I define internally at LinkedIn, brand is every single touch point someone has with us. And I use that to tell every employee at LinkedIn that they own the brand. So actually, my team doesn't own the brand. Every single employee at LinkedIn does. And I think that's completely true of the comms function as well. I can hear how you excited you are about the work that you're doing here at LinkedIn, that your team is doing. Um, what excites you about kind of the next few years, what's coming around the corner? Yeah. Well, as it relates to um, communications professionals and the, and the function in general, I think this notion that everything is a reputation issue, um, I don't think there's a question anymore that communications has a seat at the table. I honestly think sometimes the question is like, how many tables can you sit in in a given day? But I think um, the importance of people who can think ahead, understand how to help a company, whether it's a product team or a sales team or a leadership team, navigate um, the authenticity that's required of every company, every leader, every brand in the world. Those are all the trademark skills that communicators bring. So I think um, I think all the things that communicators were schooled in and trained in and that the function has been asked to do are just have a, a, a light shone on them, um, even more so than they have in the past. So I think it's a great time and a great function to be in. And I hope that communications leaders see it and seize the chance and the opportunity that they have um, and the importance that their role plays at the companies. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of The New CCO, be sure to check out our latest episodes and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, leave us a rating and a review. We want to hear what you think so that we can keep making this podcast more interesting and valuable to you. Thanks so much to The Home Depot and to Rivet Smart Audio for making this season of the new CCO podcast possible. To find out more about Page, please visit awpagesociety.com.